It's January the 6th, so obviously, typically at the beginning of the month, I tend to start a new series. We had just finished our Christmas Advent series, which was called Calm and Bright, celebrating the 200th anniversary of that beautiful, beloved Christmas hymn, Silent Night and Holy Night. Uh, it was a beautiful experience. We had a wonderful, wonderful festivities and wonderful gatherings, and the, and the music was great. The decorations that the team made were very, very symbolic, and that special, special Christmas Eve, it was a beautiful time inside the building with the presence of those who are the holy ones, which is you and all of us together. Today, I'm going to begin a new series uh, starting, and I want to call it Greater Things. Because for some reason, at the beginning of every year, we all have some expectations. We all have some hopes. We all have something that, you know, may be happening this year. On the other hand, I also realize that some may be looking at their last year in life. Why would you even talk about that? Because it's a reality. But as believers, we really don't know when is our last year, do we? We really don't know when is our last moment. Amen. Okay, now, now we're together. I'm together. But the reality remains that we belong to God. And, and, and we talked about that during the series, that, that we belong to God because God has made us God's own children through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, in those days when, when Jesus was born... It was interesting that there was a main religion in Israel, Palestine, which were the Jews, the Hebrews. And they had received for thousand, maybe 800, a thousand years, how to worship, how God was. And they were given a set of rules and regulations, which was called a law, for them to follow. And they understood erroneously, they understood that they would be okay with God and that God was okay with them if they follow strictly these rules and regulations. Well, Jesus came and Jesus revealed the glory of God and God's real plan for humanity while He was here. And one of the disciples of Jesus who didn't see Jesus physically, but Jesus appeared to him on the road to, 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 to Damascus was Paul. And we don't know for sure, but we do believe that the book of Hebrews in the Bible was written by Paul. For the sake of argument, I like to also throw the idea that the only uh, 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 grammar particle that refers to the author is feminine. Think about that. <laughs> uh, some scholars believe that it could have been Priscilla who had received wonderful instructions by Paul and by Luke, who hung out in the, in, in the area of, of, of Asia Manor where Priscilla used to hang out with her husband, Aquila. And that was the house when Paul was in missionary journeys. He would always stop there for a season to rest. So Paul, if we assume he's the writer of Hebrews, he develops in the book of Hebrews a whole argument that, yes, you have been given this wonderful favor by God, but God now has changed things. 
And though you were given these rules and regulations to follow, those rules and regulations were imperfect, and they are not what really counts now. And this is where we find Hebrews 8, verses 5 through 7, when he's about to conclude that whole comparison argument between Judaism and now what's being called the religion of the way and soon will be called Christianity. Listen to and for the word of the Lord as I read out of the book of Hebrews in our New Testament, chapter 8, verses 5 through 7. You have it in your worship guide towards the back, the same version of the New Living Translation, which I will read this morning. And the writer is referring to the system of worship of the past. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build a tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. But listen to verse 6. But now, and, and, and this cost the life of many, many saints in the early days, many martyrs. But now Jesus, our high priest, has given us a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us as far, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. There's another translation that uses the word better and translated to greater. Another one says to more excellent. So we have a more excellent superior priest. We have a more excellent covenant. And we have a more excellent promises. We have greater, uh, a greater priest. We have greater covenants. And we have a greater, greater promises. In the first covenant, had been, if the first covenant had been faultless, continues the Scripture, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. Replace it. The Word of the Lord. Greater discoveries in January are often a lot of fun. It is, uh, I'm designing this worship series so that we can be encouraged to understand deeper, to discover greater spirituality, and also to shake away religiosity. Mm-hmm. I said it. Religion, as you see, the, 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 I don't think Christ came to establish a religion. That's what we did with Christ's way. The word religion, which many of you grew up to love, I grew up to despise. Different generation. Because the word religion comes from the Latin that means religare, to bind up again. To put in shackles again. And I don't see Jesus wanting to do that in our lives at all. I see Jesus bringing freedom and liberty in our lives. Yes, in righteousness, of course. But that's the freedom that we enjoy. But we have domesticated the gospel and done it that way. Thus, the terrain. And, and thus, America, in general, has become very disenchanted with Christianity. The churches are being abandoned. Churches are closing left and right every month. At least two or three churches are closed in America, if not more than that. More people are counting themselves as nuns, not N-U-Ns, but N-O-N-E. When they ask you what kind of religion or what kind of faith you follow, none. They're sick of institutional Christianity. 
They're sick of the do's and don'ts, the judging, the, 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 the maintaining of stuff for the sake of what? When there is no mission, when there is no, no authenticity, when there is no impact in the community. One of the questions I ask when I go assessing communities and churches throughout the country is I, I ask them, if this church should close today, what will this community miss? What will this community miss about you guys? We know here what they will miss at least. But the terrain of, of, of Christianity has changed and shifted. The landscape is not the same. We're no longer in, 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 in where was it? We're no longer in Kansas, Toto. Christianity, as we know in America, has become a disgrace, a farce, and a dying institution. Therefore, the Spirit of God, seeing that, moves in little communities who are wanting to do something different, who are willing to explore and get out of their comfort zone, who are willing to, to experiment and go into what we call, Pat and I know very well, as unchartered territory. And there was a couple of individuals uh, a couple centuries ago that they actually kind of uh, were given a mission. They were given a mission to go and explore the Northwest. Oh, our friends Lewis and Clark, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, along with Sacagawea. No, Sacagawea. I've been trying that name since yesterday. I think I got it right the second time. They were commissioned as the Discovery Corp for the Northwest. They were supposed to find the legendary Northwest Passage, a passage, a water passage that connected the Atlantic Ocean with the Pacific that obviously Columbus failed to discover. But the theory, the legend was still there. There is a Northwest Passage. So Lewis and Clark, along with 70 other souls, started out in that journey. They went out in that journey right out of St. Louis in 1804, a year after the Louisiana Purchase that Thomas Jefferson directed. They canoed the river. They went into the Missouri. They went into the Mississippi. They went into the Missouri, and they kept on going in the Missouri and they knew how to canoe. They knew how to handle that life. But suddenly, they weren't expecting this. The Missouri disappeared in front of their eyes. The waters became scarce. And they were confronted with the Rockies. At that time, they realized there is no Northwest Passage. Their mission had failed. I'm also remembered of, of, of some guys that 2,000 plus years ago maybe left Babylon because they saw something great in the skies. They saw something amazing in the skies and they decided to pack up with a whole bunch of other people. We see them three little, you know, three little Camels in the desert. No, it was a whole bunch of people because they had to eat. They had to, you know, so the, it was a caravan of a whole bunch of people traveling towards the border. I mean, towards Jerusalem. And they were men, we think. And they got lost. And when they got to Jerusalem, they, they, they did not find what they felt the star was telling them. Something greater. A great king, a king of kings, a lord of lords has been born. So they decided to go and follow through. And when they got to Jerusalem, they didn't find the baby there. They were frustrated. They, you know, they failed also. 
Did they misread the stars? Did they misread the signs that was given to them? You see, some of us have dreams in our lives. And, and many of us get to a point where we give up on those dreams. The sad part about it is that we give up on dreams and we don't see other opportunities that are coming up. You see, because for, for Meriwether Lewis and William Clark and Sakawajia, Sakajewia, forgive me, <laughs> mother, uh, uh, you know, uh, they could have just gone back to St. Louis, then on the way back, get back into the canoes, the Rockies, forget it, we ain't going that way. But they thought differently. They saw the opportunity. They didn't find the Northwest Passage, but you know what they found? Over 300 new species of animals and birds and fish that Europeans had never seen. They met wonderful communities of Native Americans that they befriended. Some they had to run away from. And they also discovered paths and rivers. And they were able to map that region for the nation. Greater discoveries are given to those who don't give up when things look wrong. Who don't give up when failure hits our life. Because in the gospel, failure is just another chance to start again. Not with our own ways, but now perhaps with God's ways. The wise men likewise, they could have gone back to Babylon. They took almost two years to travel in that desert. They knew the way back to Persia where they came from. But they decided to ask questions which created a whole bunch of other problems. They asked questions and they were told, oh, no, no, no. That child wasn't supposed to be born here. You're supposed to go there. And they went there. And when they got to the child, they saw the child sitting with the mother. And they bowed down. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 2 that they actually worship Christ. And that's what we call today the epiphany. What does that mean? For some reason, in some mysterious, miraculous way, Christ was revealed to the wise people that were there. They somehow understood and were revealed the gospel at that moment. As a sign that the gospel was not only for the shepherds and the people of Jerusalem, but it was also for all humanity. The Gentiles are receiving the gospel. Now, they understood something about it because 800 years earlier, Daniel was one of those wise people back in Babylon. And he had brought the scriptures and these individuals, they were wise, they were wise men because they studied the history, the, 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 uh, the, the, the religions, and, and, the, and all of every other society. So they knew about the promise. That's why they identified the stars in the first place. Greater things are for those who don't give up when they sense failure. But for those who take a second breath and in the name of God will move forward. You see... Because our scripture tells us, our scripture tells us that we have a greater priest who did not offer gifts to God, but offered himself to God. We have a greater covenant, a covenant of grace where, yes, the law shows us how sinful we are. The law is a mirror to show us how sinful, how broken we are. But then we have the grace of Christ who lifts us up, who receives us, who accepts us, who just loves us unconditionally and begins to restore from inside out. But then we also have a greater promise, a promise of assurance, a promise of security, a promise of greater love, of greater faith, of greater hope.
like Lewis and Clark and the wise men, they sought, they researched, there you go, they explored, they questioned. But you know, in the whole narrative of Jesus, there is one person early on that I used, I, I, and I like to joke about it, his name is John the Baptist, not the Presbyterian. Is John the Baptist. John the Baptist knew his calling. He knew his place in the whole scheme. And, and he said some words that were amazing that will help you and me to discover how, like we said last week, to become more like Christ. And in John 3.30, he said these amazing words. He must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for revealing words of encouragement, words of challenge, words that can transform our lives. We thank you that you are a good God and that you care for us and that you give us your word, your spirit, and a community, oh God, to fellowship, to question, to discuss, to grow in love of one another. Thank you for encouraging us to move into greater things and greater discoveries. Thank you, O oh Lord, for your grace. Through Christ we thank you. Amen and amen. <laughs>